Welcome to Cast of Creators. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Thal. And I'm Casey Stewart. We've spent our careers in media and publishing, and now we're setting the stage for creative people who inspire us to share their stories. Cast of Creators is presented by our new social browser called Hover. Hover makes browsing fun. You can follow people and your favorite sites to discover and discuss the web all in one place. Download Hover, that's HVR, in the App Store or Play Store. Our guest today is Pei Chen. She's a TV and radio host, writer and producer, and you may recognize her as an on-air expert or from The Great Canadian Baking Show. We talked about Pei's career in media, dealing with imposter syndrome, how to make more money as a freelancer, and of course, food. Pei, welcome to Cast Creators. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Awesome to have you here. I've obviously heard so many good things about you from Talia. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are all incredibly passionate about cooking. Yeah. So I love to cook. I know you do. I like, I'm very aware of this. <laughs> obviously, we know you love to cook and bake. Mm-hmm. I don't bake as much as I cook. I like to bake. How you bake? Yeah, I love to bake. Yeah, I'm more of a baker than a cook. Like, I cook because I have to feed myself. Yes. Um, and I enjoy cooking, but, like, baking is very much my, um, like, that. that's, you like, when I'm the most stressed is probably when I'm baking the most. Yeah, <laughs> Which yeah. is, like, a little counterintuitive. But um, it's it's my way of kind of of relaxing in a way. Yeah, that's, exa- you know, that's, that's exactly what I said. I said, you know, I don't post about, like, I post about life and things that sort, but I never share my cooking or very rarely I'll post. I made another pavlova. That's my favorite thing Ooh, to bake. Nice. Um, my family's from New Zealand. So yeah. that is like a recipe passed down from my family. Um, but I mean, I, I find cooking so relaxing and baking the same thing. It just gives me joy. You know, did your parents cook? How'd you get into cooking? Uh, it wasn't because of my parents. Like my mom never taught me to cook or anything like that. But my parents have always been in the food business. Like they, um, have oh, really? had like they retired last year. They were a COVID casualty, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So they had um a stall at the farmers market there. Um, but they've been in business for over thirty five years. Wow! So COVID Selling really uh, like a little bit of everything. Um, like my dad's first business um in the 80s was he was making and selling tofu and we were living in Halifax Nova Scotia so they immigrated from Taiwan and my parents they you know didn't have money they didn't have a lot of education they didn't speak the language um you know they spoke very broken english so you know that's why a lot of immigrants end up kind of cobbling together a business for themselves or or employing themselves in some way because how else are you going to put food on the table um, my dad is not necessarily the best businessman. And my mom would always say that, like, you know, you have to have a sense of like making money, I think, to to be successful at business. You can be passionate about whatever it is, but you do have to have a focus of like, OK, but this has to be worth the time. This has to how do I monetize yeah. this even, you know, marginally? Um, so, you know, and they had um, a of stall in a food court when I was very young. That was their first business. And it was like, you know, Chinese food, which I use air quotes for, which is like Canadian Chinese food, right. chop suey food. Um, and, you know, I actually wrote um, some stories about them because when they closed, they had been 
known in the community for so long that they had such a turnout of, of longtime customers over the decades. So again, we're going back like, you know, They've been doing this for over 35 years. Wow. And, you know, they sold food at the farmer's market. Like, they were very, like, they hustled. They worked every yeah. day of the week. They worked, you know, um, I could hear my parents getting up at, like, 3 and 4 in the morning to start work, say, yeah. like, into the evening. Um, and it was just, like, that's just what they did, right? Like, it wasn't because they had this, you know, love and passion for making, you know, food that people expect to be cheap and that you sold at a reasonable price. Um, I think we oftentimes we romanticize immigrant stories sometimes because we we think like, oh, they came out on the other end with this beautiful story and look, they touched people's lives and they made these friends and, you know, maybe they changed the community or impacted it. And like, yes, that's great, but uh, there's a lot of um, hardship. Like those years are not easy. Yeah, it's, um, they're grinding. Yeah, and, and it was like it's a challenge for them. Like I remember, like when we were younger, we didn't we didn't have money. Like it was just. But when you go up in an area where everyone's kind of like you, you don't yeah. really notice, right? Like, yeah. and we didn't have the internet, so we didn't know for uh, <laughs> we didn't know to want things, right? That that we didn't know about. Yeah, you didn't right? know. Like, out we didn't there. know things. I mean, I wanted a Barbie camper trailer, but you know that wasn't going to happen. Um, I know about one. Yeah, (laughs) there's like all these things. I had like the knockoff Cabbage Patch Kids for a while too. The knockoff Barbies. I had Um, knockoff Barbie. Yeah, Ferrari. But yeah, just like you know, and like, and it was probably like a really great innocent time to grow up and be a kid. To be honest, Um, but actually, like uh, the CBC uh, in Halifax has done a couple of stories on my parents through the decades. So if anybody wanted to look it up, they could. Yes, Um, I've loved following. I feel like I know, kind of know your parents, and I know a lot of people feel that way. Like seeing. Your posts about them, even your niece. You know, I yeah. watched. She's I don't know her. Now. She's seven. I, I watched her when she was really young. I, yeah. you know, it's like I've seen. I've seen so much of your family. You know what? It's so funny because sometimes I run into people that I don't know in real life. Like you know, there's mm-hmm. so many people you just kind of know online or maybe create an online friendship with. And I will say that my parents and my niece—they're the most popular people. On my Instagram, like it's not even about me. It's not even me at all. People will be like, I love your parents. Like, yeah, well, they're a trip. Yeah, I read the, the caption where you go, um, if you like them so much, you can take them. For a yeah, bit. yeah. They're like, I want to travel with your parents. I'm like, You're you great. can. Book you the just, tickets. They're all yours. Yeah, they're all yours. You just tell me how long you, they can stay. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's so funny when you say that because it, it's true. Like, there's, um, there, yeah, there's a group of people who just like really uh, do love my parents, you know, love my niece. And I think that there's a relatability, yeah. you know, to them, like no matter what your background or culture is, yeah. you can you can kind of relate to like aging parents and them oh, as absolutely. grandparents yeah. and, you know, the kids and stuff. <laughs> like so. with, the, with the iPad or your mom's doing stuff with the iPad. They're just like so technically challenged. But I also think like that's what people relate. Like people yeah. our kind of like whether what, are, what you is can it? See like your own parents. generation. Yeah. You can understand. You can relate to like, you know, your parent calling you and not understanding how to connect to Wi-Fi. Or, or like cameras, how like, to take a photo properly. It's frustrating it is. You know? Yeah, they have like, a bad angle. Yeah. How to FaceTime. And now I'm like, Mom, I'm just seeing the ceiling. She's like, can you see them? Like, I absolutely cannot see it. Like, it's <laughs> actually impossible when the camera's facing the wrong way. Right. Like, <laughs> So, you know, all of that. But anyway, that was like a long roundabout way. So they were in the consumer packaged goods business. Um, No, not packaged. So it was all it was just um like fast food. Oh, okay. like takeout. So they were. But when you said tofu. Yeah. OK. Yes. Yeah. So tofu um, were not packaged because it was fresh. 
So it was a very, oh, okay. very small. Like, my dad, it was a bad idea. It was truly small a batch, bad idea. Fresh tofu. Yes, and it was like you know, a, if you the words you would use now are like artisan, handmade, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like all all of that. Um, but it was he would sell it to like health food stores, but like it was the kind of health was you know where you just serve yourself, right? Right. So mm. that that sort of deal, or like some Chinese restaurants. But it would be sold like in in bulk, like in a in a tub of like a dozen pieces or something. Okay, yeah. And you watched him just get the raw materials though and process it and make big batches of this stuff. Well, they made it in the house, which is illegal. Um, (laughs) But it's like so. I mean, I can say that now. Um, and I mean, I'm sure there's regulations about commercial kitchens and stuff like that. Yeah, well, there are now. That was back then. But it also was like he wasn't. I, I mean, I don't know the rules around it, but you know, you're selling it to like really small. Um, like businesses essentially. Mm. Um, so I mean, we we not like we could hang out there. We weren't allowed in there, right? Because I was like, you know, that's for like making food or or whatever. Like we had yeah. a separate kitchen. Um, so but I mean, you know, it was a slog. It's very physically demanding, and it's a lot of it's a lot of labor. And then yeah. you get, you know, it's it's a lot um to it's a lot of investment. And then, you know, things change, like the industry changes, right? So suddenly tofu becomes more uh, mainstream and suddenly it's in the grocery stores and you can buy it for $2 a package. And suddenly you can't justify that, right? Like you, you can't, you can't compete, right? So it's the same as like you can go to the grocery store and you can buy a loaf of bread for $3 and then someone who's maybe making their own sourdough and fermenting their starter and all of that is trying to sell it for $9. And so when people are like, well, why would I pay? It's like you're paying for time, ingredients, um, quality. And in yeah. some cases, in some um, food products, people will. And in others, they won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And so this is when you're still out east. This yes. Yeah. That's where I grew up. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in originally Halifax? Uh, Halifax. And they moved to Sackville, um, like a more of a suburb outside of the city. And um, it was a town called Beaverbank. So it was very small. We were the only Asian family. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then they moved to Nova Scotia. Is that in, was that where Sack, Sackville is? Sackville to Nova Scotia. In Nova, yes. Nova yeah. Scotia. Yeah. I okay. need to go and there. I've never been to Nova I've Scotia. I've never been there. Oh, Nova either. Scotia is beautiful. Like summer is, is truly stunning there. Um, you can make it your next, your trip next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My, mom, my mom sailed there this summer. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she, they left just before the most recent storm, but they're oh, on their yeah. way to the Bahamas and they, um, spent some time. So she she's been sailing since July. Oh wow, so that's to, so cool. They'll get to the Bahamas in January. Wow, yeah. that's a long time to be on the water. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. Like, as someone who gets motion sick, I'm like, that's a very long time. Yeah, so they, <laughs> they left from Georgian Bay. Yeah, they yeah they left from yeah. Georgian Bay Georgian and sailed Bay. right wow. out to the East Coast and stayed there for a little while in a bunch of different small um, inlets and stuff. Yeah. Then they there's they're right now. Um, on their way to New York, and there's five other Canadian boats just waiting for a certain tide to change so that they yeah, that's can... very cool. Yeah, she's cool, <laughs> my mom. Yeah. yeah. Then you came here for university? Yes, yeah. And so, what did you do in your broadcast? Uh, yeah, I took radio and television arts at what is now called Toronto Metropolitan University. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. Um, so you knew you wanted to go in TV already. You know, I don't know that I knew that. Like, I think I was in my last year of high school and I was very sheltered. And this is pre-internet days. Okay? Yeah, so yeah. Let's just like state that. <laughs> we'll just throw back. Um, you know, and it was like, well, what do I know? I lived in a, a small town. I was very sheltered. Um, I wanted to, I liked writing, but I didn't really see like, I'm like, well, how am I going to 
be a writer. Like I just didn't, didn't know. And, um, I had a teacher who was actually my math teacher who was like, you know, there's this university in Toronto um, where you can like learn about um, television. It's like, wow, like I never thought that was even a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that you could go and study and go and learn about. Um, So, you know, I I applied kind of on a whim on, I barely made the deadline basically. (laughs) Um, And I'd never thought I would leave Nova Scotia. Like I actually thought like I was planning to go to Dalhousie. I'd already accepted, you know, it was just, I was going to stay close to home. Like I was very much like happy to do that. I didn't have ambitions of going to a big city or doing any of that, but I just didn't really know what I was going to do or what my, I don't even know that I knew what my interests were, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I was 17 and what do you know then? <laughs> yeah. And like I knew, you know, as much as my parents would have loved if I got into science. Like, yeah, I just didn't I wasn't I didn't all, I wasn't naturally adept at that either. Like it yeah. wasn't like, oh, I'm really brilliantly smart. I was blessed <laughs> with a great short term memory, which okay, is how that's I helpful. aced school. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I did very well in school. But again, I could just regurgitate. Yeah. Did I absorb it? No. You're like, no. Mm-hmm. What was I talking about? I don't know. Um. So, yeah. So the the. the I went to um, Toronto Metropolitan University and I went in uh, for writing. I wanted to write. Okay. So that was part, that was my essay and all of that. When Had I you went in. been to Toronto at no. that point? Or so this no. was your first trip to yeah. Toronto. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's oh. wild. So I really hated it. Like I <laughs> was miserable. Like I lived in residence my first year. Um, this was also when Ontario had grade 13. You guys had an extra okay. year of school. Yeah. So and everybody was older than you. Everybody was older than me. Everybody was of legal drinking age. And okay. I had just turned 18 because I my birthday's in August. So I was always like youngest of my friends. Yeah. Last to get the driver's license, last to, you know, turn 19 and be able to drink, all of that. So I just turned 18 and moved to Toronto. Wow. So technically you could have taken a year off and not been behind. Yeah, in a, yes, yeah, in oh, a way. Wow. Like um <laughs> but then everybody was like 19 and like ready to party and live it up. And in the end, it was probably better for me that I couldn't, you know, to be yeah. honest. Um, did you get a good roommate or? Uh, we, I lived in residence. We had our own rooms, oh, yeah, but like a room. shared, like, um, shared wa- exactly. Yeah. But yeah, everybody had their own shared tiny little room with a little twin bed. Um, so, but school, I mean, the program was great. Like some of my best friends now are from uh, you know, the oh, kids that so went nice. to school with in the 90s, right? Yeah, that's so nice. So they're some of my closest friends. Um, a lot of them do, you know, really well. So it's nice to see them succeed in the industry. Mm-hmm. And and I always thought I would go home afterwards. Like I was just like, I didn't, it sounds, I didn't have like big ambitions of like big city life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to like do creative things, but I didn't know was there a job for the creative things I like to do? Yeah. Right? Because there's this pressure of like, well, you know, you're graduating, you've got student loans. Now you got to like support yourself. It's like, right. Mm-hmm. Well, how? Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's interesting because, uh, you know, in you'd, you'd expect sort of you to have the confidence out of getting the degree to know exactly the potential job yeah, uh, that, you know that you'd have as a result of the degree. Yes, but it's it's interesting if you're in that degree and it's such a wide field. Yeah, that it's like, well, what? Where do I really end up, anyways? You know, and but, it, it's so broad, and it's also like it's a degree, uh, it's a bachelor of applied arts. Applied arts. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, it's up to you to apply. Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be and, anything now. And so you ultimately did. Yeah. Um, with this, you know, this first 
job at Treehouse? Yes. You? So I was I remember interning. That. <laughs> I was an intern there because in your last Dur- year of during school. During degree. Okay. Yeah. During your fourth right. year, you, you do an internship. And so they were, this is like how you'll, like, this is what dates me, is um, Treehouse TV launched in 1998 and 1997, actually, fall of 1997. And uh, at this time, that's when all these specialty channels were starting up. These, you know, book TV, sex TV, space TV, right? Um, all these niche. And it was just like, in a way, it was the glory days of television yes. because they were all owned by bigger companies, like by Chum, by, you know, Rogers or whoever. And they were these all these small, new little stations that didn't have money to necessarily hire a lot of people but they all needed someone very junior Hmm. they all needed a pa they all needed content or a production coordinator so and they might have like a lot of these stations might have just a producer and then a coordinator right right just because a lot of the shows some of them they produce a lot of them they bought you know they re-aired and whatever so it was just lucky timing was i was interning at treehouse um the cord production coordinator was leaving as i was graduating and so the producer was like, do you want to take Tracy's job? Because you're already familiar with um, the talent. So there was, we produced the interstitial. So there were two hosts and a puppeteer. And I had known them from day one because I had been there. Uh, I started interning when they were casting. Yeah. So I was the most natural person to to take on the role. Perfect. And also, like, let's be honest, no matter what they offer you in your first job, it doesn't matter what they yeah. offer you. It can be peanuts, but it's the most money you've ever made in your life because you've At never had a full-time job, right? Like yeah, if yeah, you yeah. go through school working part-time selling yeah. burgers, you're making a few hundred bucks here, you know, maybe the end of the year, a few thousand dollars, like a few. So your first full-time job, it's like, I am so rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my first job was know. like in fashion. And I'm, I remember I moved, I came back from school in Australia. Yeah. And I moved to Toronto. I found I was subletting someone's apartment. It was like a room, the the living room that was turned into an extra bedroom yeah. in a house where six people <laughs> yeah. lived on Bathurst. But I had a salary. Yeah. And I was oh, like, you can make a plan. I, you look I had, you want- I was like, I had to take two buses and a train to get there. But I was a city girl. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you're like, these, they, they those number at you. So like my first job, they paid me $30,000 a year. And I was like, I knew I wasn't like rich, like I wasn't stupid because I was already paying rent and things like that. But um, and I knew what groceries cost. And I so I yeah. knew that. And I was a real penny pincher because I also had student loans. So but still my mind, I'm like, well, that's m- the most money I've yeah. ever made. And then I still had to find an apartment that I could afford, which was under six hundred dollars. So I ended up finding a basement apartment because I simply that's all you could any. get. <laughs> uh, yes. And it had um, like popcorn ceilings <laughs> that were very low because they weren't. And so every time I learned I would have to. um. I would crouch when I was getting dressed because otherwise I'd scrape That's my knuckles. Great. So I used to scrape my knuckles all the time on the ceiling, getting or even stretching. Like if, yeah, I, if I woke up in the morning, you'd have to just learn to like crouch and then stretch. Like that's all you could do. <laughs> um, and but then, you know, this is when you first learn about like the CRA and taxes. Like, you know, you you yeah, don't which know. Is pathetic that you don't know that before. Oh, then. my God. When you get yeah, your first paycheck, you're like. Wait a minute. Yeah. How do I take home $400 a week when I should be taking home six? Like, just like suddenly it's mind blowing. And you're like, you're like, I'm going to get my first paycheck. Yeah. I'm going to be rich. Can't wait to buy myself something. And then you're like, shocking. (laughs) Yes. Like, just like that one. I was like, taxes. 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think well, they actually do teach taxes in school now. I think there's I hope, I hope so, but that's really upsetting. All of those grades yeah. at could- university and end up looking at that first check being s- shocked. Blindside. So much money what that they take. Yeah. I mean, maybe they did teach it, and I just no. I don't think they, I don't recall they them teach teaching taxes that. To us. I don't they think did not, ta- they definitely taxes didn't teach were not part of the <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> no, which is mind-boggling because, like, totally I true. could tell, I could give you the Pythagorean theorem, but I can't tell you how to do my damn yeah. Tax. And I mean, it's such a practical skill. Like, I think now that, like, you're right. I think there's yeah, more, think more focus now. on like financial literacy, and like yeah, that that's is such a big. <laughs> like, yeah. can you read finance? Can you read yeah. numbers? Because yeah. back then it was like, I remember taking accounting in high school as a credit. And what that was, was that, that you could balance your own checkbook. Yeah. So I knew the debit column. Right. And, the I and, balance. and what that meant. That was my favorite course at all high school. I love that. <laughs> I can but see you loving you that. Get, they never taught you taxes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a that's an essential now, I think. Yeah. yeah. And a real shocker when you get that first paycheck. Yikes. I mean, when you get most paychecks. When you get most paychecks, yeah. Now, oh, great. well, now that, but then now I'm like self-employed. You know, so but, then it's like now it's oh, at the end of the year, I owe you how much? Like it's yeah, that exactly. shocker and going like, wow, I just all oh, right, just like handing over take the money. money, take it, take it, yeah. So, <laughs> so you were working at that station, Treehouse, for yeah. how many years? Um, I was there full time for a year as a coordinator and it was a really good learning experience for me. And I really um, like production wise, I learned a lot because it was such a small team. So mm. you do a little bit of everything. And I started writing a little bit when I was I would write some of the scripts for um, the interstitials. And they were hugely popular, the characters that, that we had there. Um, and I don't know, I think, you know, I was just like not fulfilled like I I don't know that I was like I thought like did I make a mistake is this what I'm because a production coordinator is like it's a lot of scheduling and organizing right right? so you know I would label tapes and number tapes and just make sure dubs got done correctly and you know things went to air correctly so it's a lot of stuff that I um was okay at I'm not actually naturally the most organized person and (laughs) you know sometimes I mixed up the numbers um, it's the right industry, just the the wrong role. Yeah, the role, and I was role. like, what do I do now? Right? right, like I didn't know, and then I had no writing experience. So uh, was I going to just be hired as a writer? writer? Well, no, I wasn't. Um, so I'd written a little bit there, and then I thought I would. Um, I don't know what prompted me to leave because I don't know that I would have left without another job. Because again, I student loans, I wasn't making a lot of money. Yeah, I didn't have you a lot of experience. I needed something. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, I'm just gonna. He just <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, up and quit. I'm just gonna leave. I feel like that's something kids would do now because yeah, they're bolder no. than yeah than I was back then. No, no and I was also a very terrified person. Like I was a terrified child. I was a terrified <laughs> young adult. Like people also, pleaser. Like, like all those things. Were your parents in Toronto at that point? No, no, no. They're always no, in Halifax. That, so that's yeah. a different thing. Like if, yeah, if, if you may if your parents are here. Yeah. in their own sort of settled home. Yeah, you could quit, and you know you Go got back. your parents. <laughs> Yes, yes, but, um, true. You're you're not at home. <laughs> no, I'm just like so on my own. So you got to make sure you do a complete Spider-Man to that. Like you yes. got to attach the next web before yeah. you get out of the. And I mean, true. Ones. And I don't even know. Like it's so funny now when I think about like um, when people ask, like, well, you know, what are your advice? What are your tips? I'm like, it's really hard. Like when you start out, it's very much. Or even if somebody moves to the city and they're experienced, right? And I'm like, it's who you know, yes. and it is that's kind of a shitty it, thing. It's, well, it's. 
Yes, and slash how willing you are to make re- new relationships, yes. to form new relationships. Yeah. yeah. So in a lot of this industry, the creative industry, um, broadcast, and I know a lot of that would also now include like digital content and that sort of creative production industry. So much of it is um, your relationships and it's it's who you know mm-hmm. and um, word of mouth referrals, right? Like, I don't think I've typed up a resume in two decades, but I work. Yeah. And a lot of it is now because it's like the gig, gig economy. So it's short things that people don't necessarily write up a job posting mm-hmm. for, right? Yeah. Um, so at the time, yeah, so I was at Treehouse for a bit and I went back to it actually because the producer I was working with, she ended up, um, being asked to produce a kid show and had me write a script on spec, which is in the industry is when you write wow. a script, they don't pay you for it unless they buy it from you. So in a way, it's almost like your um, your application, right? Yeah, so right. you spend the time, you write a script for them based on the Bible they give you. And if uh, if they're like, this fits us, then we pay for it. So there's a there's time involved there. There's an investment, yeah, right? Absolutely. So I wrote a spec script. Um, she liked it. And then I wrote um, half of the first season of that oh, show, wow. which is called We Three, W-E-E. It was a really adorable show. Um, and, uh, and that gave me the writing credits that I needed. Because when I went to um, university, I had wanted to work in children's TV and I wanted to write. I just didn't know what that really looked like because I didn't know what a writer's room looked like. I didn't know what a set looked like. I didn't know any of those things. I just knew that I liked kids' television and educational TV. So uh, I ended up essentially freelancing um, with Treehouse, writing scripts. And and then my next contract position was at TV Ontario. So working with um, on a teen show there as a chase producer and then as a field director. So it just like... You know, things just kind of happened, but there were lots of times in between where, um, because the contracts are so short and you're making just enough money to pay your bill, but not to save up, right? Mm-hmm. You're not like, you're I'm not scrolling saying. it away for six months. You know, no. you're like, I barely, you know, yeah. bought yeah, my bus pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like just barely. So, um, yeah, but TVO was a great experience. And um, I applied on a whim when Omni uh, at that time was called CFMT and they were launching a new station and um, which was now called now it's called Omni 2. So they were looking for an on-air person and I was actually going to go to Australia and take my uh, get my teaching degree. So I'd already accepted. Oh, wow. I paid a deposit. It was all going to work out perfectly because my contract at TV Ontario, which was about six months, um, was going to end right about a month before I would mm. have moved to Australia to you know, to do my teaching degree. Cause I thought I'd always loved the idea of being a teacher. And because my experience in the industry was that it was so sporadic, the work, and I was so stressed about it that I thought I need something that is more stable. Yes. Yeah, right. Like this freelance business, this contract gig thing where you're like, where I was hired sometimes for, on a contract for two weeks. Right. And I'm like, Okay. Well, okay, but you're stressed the whole time oh, because you're yeah. like, those two weeks are coming up really quickly. And then how do you, you know, line up contracts? And what if they you work don't get paid in time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just didn't, th- I was like, I can't handle this. It's, it's just stressful. It's so stressful. Especially at that stage in your career. I, when you're so 22, it, it 23. Doesn't, it doesn't work, really. No, and you're like, okay, well, um, the show's going to come back, but not for another six right. months. What do I do until then? You live at home. It does exactly. You know, yeah. it Other works. than that, at that age, at that yeah. part of your career, you don't have the the relationships or the network to no. continue it 
going. I mean, I had to pay $600 a month for my basement apartment. And right. I had student loan payments. Right. And I had groceries. And I had right. my yeah. bus pass. It. And this. There it goes. And it's, it's like, I That's the whole salary. Yeah. I can't not work for, you know, weeks or months no. at a time. Um, yeah. So I was going to, I was all set to go to Australia. I was like, it's great. I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to have this like experience of like where getting go? teaching degree. To, uh, hmm? Where are you going to go? Case in Australia. Lived in Australia. Um, I well, went to Wollongong. university there. Wollongong. Oh, Wollongong. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wollongong. Um, because it was a one year program. Yeah. And because I already had a degree. So right. that so helped. So they have this, um, this like, it's our, they called it at then our, an articulation agreement. So when you could, I had like three years in college and I could do one year in university mm. and then get my degree. That's why I went. Cause it was like the furthest place away. <laughs> And my family, I had family there, and I, I knew that I could turn my Conestoga College diploma into a degree in one year. See, so I have a degree, oh, and technically okay. I have a degree and a diploma from four years of school. Look at that, doubling up. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> why you went there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a little loophole, I feel. <laughs> yeah, it was a loophole. Well, I also managed to only, I got my schedule, I lived two hours from, my, I ended up moving two hours from where my campus was. I lived at Bondi Beach, and I had, but my schedule only had school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So the rest, rest of the time, I worked, and I just partied. And I, but I mean, also being at that time in my life, like I needed to get a job within like the first month or I wasn't going to finish. <laughs> I was, I was on a slow train. It was, if I didn't catch this, it was yeah. going to run out by the end. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, good experience, but I think sounds like you made the right choice. Well, I, I was so, like, I was like, I'm going to do this because I don't think I want to do, th- I'm not sure about this career path, this industry I've chosen, which is so unpredictable. And truthfully, you know, in my experience category, not very well paid, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you can get by, but it's tough, right? So, um, but I remember someone who uh, worked um, on another show, actually, she left, she printed out the the job posting, um, was like, we are looking for a full-time on-air host. Um, You know, you like this, this, and this, and you could do blah, 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 send an audition tape. And so she left it on my desk when I got into work. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I've applied to stuff before and like, yeah, whatever, like on a whim. Yeah. Um, And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just, you know, have a friend help me make a VHS tape. (laughs) 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 On a very large camcorder. Yeah. You're like, okay. It takes a VHS. Yeah, it takes a VHS. Yeah. Okay. I have one of those. um, And I sent it in. (laughs) And then they asked me to come in for an audition. I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is cool. So I'm like maybe uh, 24 at this mm-hmm. point. But I will say that I was always very young for my age. Like I was a young 24. Like now I meet kids who are like 22, 23. I'm like, how are you so smart? How yeah, are you it looks so like you have it together. Bright? Like, yes. you know, like they know their shit. They're really savvy. Yeah. They're whatever. And I was. Some of them are like that. Some of them. <laughs> and I was like, all through my 20s, you'd be like. This poor girl, we need to protect her. She's not, no, she would walk off with a stranger. Like she would totally just like give somebody her bank account number and everything. Like I was not, like I was book smart, but I wasn't street smart in in any way. Um, but uh, anyway, what streets were you on? Yeah. I, 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 was like, I, well, I was in Beaver Bank. Yeah, like, yeah. come on, you <laughs> There's know? There's one street. Yeah, there were like streets and some of them didn't have names. They were just numbered. Um, and they're all gravel, but, uh, anyway, so that I, I got, they offered me the job and it was the most shocking thing to me, to be honest. Um, and then I was like, wow. Cause I was 
ready to start like this whole like a very different life right like go and become a teacher you had your, your foot out yeah I was right out. I was yeah. like this is gonna be it because I'd always loved the idea like teaching was the one thing it wasn't like it was just a you know um like a safety net thing like I always loved the idea of teaching I'd always love little kids uh it was probably something I thought I might do at some point but then you know the broadcasting degree was an opportunity so I took it I thought, well, maybe I can do, you know, I didn't care what I was teaching so much. I was like, I'm going to, I feel good about this. This is going to fulfill this, you know, desire that I've Mm. had since I was a kid. I wanted to like clap the the blackboard brushes and stuff and clean them. Remember like all this, they're going to write on the chalkboard. That's why I want to be a teacher, you know. Um, So I deferred actually my acceptance. I deferred it for a year. They kept the deposit and everything. So I thought, this TV thing, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. And then, then I'm going to go. I'm going to give them a year. Then I'm going to go. Um, and, uh, but then I never did. So then, you know, that's Hopefully you got that deposit back. I did. I think I got the deposit back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in year two, I was like, so I'm not coming. Um, yeah. you know, I've got a job and, and, you know, it was like a full time At that job. point, it's like you have just, you just had savings. You'd put yeah. it, had it for so long. And yeah, then exactly. With no it. interest, but you know, yeah. it's yeah, still good to get like a check of some kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that just like changed that job at Omni uh, really changed my my career path um, because I was really very set on, you know, th- this other direction. Yeah. I was I was really ready for it. And um, and then applying for that job uh, kind of on a whim, just thinking like there's no shot in hell. Um, but, you know, that it just yeah, worked out. But also your win- the wins at your back because you got the script. They took your scripts like yeah. you wrote the script. They loved the script. Yeah. And then you submit the de- the demo, yeah, and they hire you, yeah. So it's like, yeah. I mean, how much you, you know? You're riding on some good confidence there. Both of the two things you're interested in doing, being a yes. writer and you know being yeah. on screen at that point, yeah, hit, yeah. So but I mean, still, like you know, you have um, what is it called, the imposter syndrome, right? right? Like, can I like, do this? Oh my god, they're gonna uh, find out I can't do this. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> you're just like walking in, like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, the I whole don't. time it's like I'm not supposed to be here. I don't feel like I, this is not, it's not good. <laughs> they're all gonna <laughs> be like surprise in your career. Um, I was at Omni. Oh no, impulse oh. the the feeling. The feeling of imposter syndrome. Mm, that's a good question. I would say that like uh, it never really goes away, but you, I think you get to a point or I got to a point where I was like, nah, nephew, I can do this. And mm. I think it comes to a point when you start to realize value. Uh, I think when you start out sometimes or you're very ambitious about something that um, you do something because you're driven to do it, you want to do it, you want to prove that you can do it. And money, though important, is not the most important. And I'm not saying that right now my career, I money is the most important. Otherwise, I'd be in a different industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but money and um, I would say compensation for uh, for my work is of greater value than it was a decade or two decades ago when I felt like I had to keep proving myself. Yes. And I'm at a point now where I'm not saying I don't have to prove myself, but I can say that like, I've been doing this for so long. You can look at what I've done X, Y, Z, and you can check it out back there. I, I've, I have proven myself. Therefore, if you want work of this uh, quality or consistency or reliability, 
that's what you're paying for. Right. So less um, imposter syndrome now because, you know, there's a confidence that comes from, no, no, no. I can do it. And spending time in the industry and putting in the work. Yes, exactly. And knowing um, the value of your work, which I think comes from, uh, to be honest, like finding a group of people that are like-minded and with similar experience that you can compare notes with. I think, you, you know, we work in an industry um, and I, I still work mostly in television and in broadcasting. I do a little bit of writing, but most of it is TV and as a freelancer now. So I'm full, I'm self-employed. I don't, you know, work for any broadcast or anything like that. And I think once you become your own employer, you can't rely on someone else to go, you know what? She, let's give her a little raise. Yeah. Let's give her a, she did, pay. She's, she's a good a worker. Job. She's been working. doing a good job for a while. She makes coffee in the morning. Um, you know, like, yeah. yeah, she, she shuts the lights off when she leaves. Like, she's a really good little employer. Let's, let's give her a little bump. Nobody gives me a bump unless I ask for the bump. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. now when that, for me, that's when it flipped. When I had to actually ask for money, which is such an uncomfortable thing. Right. Yeah. If you're in, it, yeah, I agree. It's, it's still a little bit uncomfortable. You know, the, the interesting thing though about it is, um, you're perceived as worth more. Yes. When you ask. Yeah. <laughs> because, yes. yeah. Because I know it like on the flip side, if somebody, um, asks firmly for an increase because I know my worth and I'm no, I'm going to deliver this and this is what makes it worth my time. It's like, Oh, you know. Oh, well, yeah, make it a okay. note. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, make a note case. <laughs> but you're right. Like, and I think, um, I think women especially are afraid to ask for more because we don't want to seem, um, you know, there's, oh, we don't want to seem greedy. We don't want to seem difficult. We don't want to lose out on work. That's a big thing that comes to like, there is always a fear like what oh, I'm being firm. That's, that's the, uh, that's the risk. Yeah. The risk is you lose out on work. And you know what? I lose, out on a lot of work. Losing out on. I lose out yeah, on a I lot of that. work. And the that. more, um, I, I've said this to a few people when sometimes people like switch, um, jobs or there are, there are people who are like in their forties who are like, I want to, I think I'm going to go freelance or I think I'm going to start my own, you know, business or whatever. And sometimes that's by choice. Sometimes that's by circumstance. Right. And um, I always say to people that I make I make more money now by saying no yeah. more often. This is what Tally, this is exactly what Talia would say. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling Talia and I've talked about that. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> because yeah. we are in an industry where like there's no set rate in a way right. like you no, can look no at it standard. as an average average yeah, right you can go like oh someone of my experience with my knowledge might charge you know between this and this but it's not like um if you call a plumber to fix your toilet you know and one plumber's like it's five dollars and the other one's like it's five thousand dollars it doesn't swing that widely in a, in a lot of industries there's usually like an average right um but in creative industries it can be all over the place so in a creative industry it's like but I find like that's the same with the arts. Like, why? Well, well this painting is $10 at Value Village, but yet this painting is $10,000. Right. Yeah. So who who is it? You yeah, know, that definitely Who's... goes for um, like brand partnerships or <laughs> yes, like exactly. that whole world of, you know, brand stuff. Like you could do, you know, I've done an Instagram post that's 
$200 and then one that's $1,500. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. She hasn't done the $200 one in years. <laughs> but I learned from but that one. But I don't, I don't say yes to those ones anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that there's another better one coming down. There's a better one coming down. And like, I think saying no is um, something that you, it, it's hard because you can't tell someone who's starting out to say no. You can't you, say no. Because in a way, when, when you're, you're young and you're starting out, you say yes. You like that's say You yes. say yes. You say yes, you get the experience. Yeah. But then there's an element of like, when you get to a point where you're like, I've been doing this for a while or, and I always say this to people, um, if you find that people are suddenly coming to you, mm-hmm. people are asking you to do work, it's because they know you can. Because when you first start out, you're going to people. You're going like, hey, hey, give me a shot. I can do that. Yes, I'll do that for you. And yep, that's no problem. I'll I'll do it for free to see if you like it. And then you'll pay for it. Like a spec script scenario, Something right? Like um, I'll do it for very little because I want to prove to you. I'll intern. I will shadow you. Like those are things that you say yes to. That's you searching out opportunities to prove yourself. But when people start coming to you, when people start contacting you and asking you to do the thing that you know you're good at, that's when you ask for money. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start saying, this is going to cost you. Because you have value. And they're yes. coming to you because they know that your work has value and that you're good at whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Yes. It, it also, they understand that your experience it has value. Yes. Yeah. And um, you've probably made enough mistakes and understand what you've, what you know, where you've gone wrong in the past. Yeah. So you'll get it right with them. Yeah. And, yep. and that's really the the key that gives you the security to pay the higher price. Yeah. Yeah. You and know. it's just like asking what you're worth. Like, you don't have to be outrageous. I mean, you can be outrageous. And I think in some cases, you know, you'll hear about a, a whatever, a, a person who's like, wow, they're, they got like, and, and I think in brand partnerships too, right? Because yeah. there are people who have like a lot of influence, a lot of status, and that's sort of a different world. Yeah. That's... But at the same time, it's like they've, if somebody's asking this and someone's paying it, that's that suddenly becomes their value, yeah. right? Yes, exactly. So, when did you um, have the like? When did you make the pivot out of being employed by a network and going out on your own and creating your own content? Mm. And did you do that over time? Did you crossfade into that? No, I just you... quit my job. Like I oh, just so okay. I so, so <laughs> relatively, relatively recently. Yeah. Um. No, I mean like I. I did that by like just simply quitting. I didn't have, I tra- didn't transition into anything. So that was ten years ago, which okay. feels like fairly recent. But it was ten years I ago. Thought it just. <laughs> no, it what like I meant just. I meant like all I did was I just oh, quit it. Oh, like that's what quit. I meant. Not like okay. not recently. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. I was gonna. I was say, like, where have I been? Like, like, all I just, yeah. No. Yeah. You um, I didn't have a I didn't have a plan B, and I wasn't working on like an exit strategy. So I literally just quit it. Okay. So what? Walk us through the confidence to be able to do that, and and what was happening there. I would say to be honest, it wasn't confidence. It was circumstance. Okay. So I. I think that's what causes people to change um, careers or, you know, life circumstances. Um, So I was at Omni for many years and um, Rogers and CTV bought Chum and they split that up. So this was around 2008, 2009. And that was, unfortunately, that was also the recession. Um, It was a really terrible time in television because when a lot of the bigger companies started buying up the smaller companies, there were just fewer employers, but there was also a lot of redundancy. So then a lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of people left the industry because where were you going to go, yeah. right? Were these new stations starting up? No, they weren't. 
I was fortunate because I was within the Rogers family and, uh, you know, I I still had my job, but there were a lot of people from from Chum who were sort of in limbo. Like, yeah. am I going to CTV? Am I going to Rogers? What's happening to me? So they really had to cut the fat. And I was told, which I, I don't think anyone would do that now, but it was a very um, courteous thing to do, was I was told that my job was probably not going to be there for a, uh, in a year. So, you know, you don't normally get that kind of notice. Um, so I was hosting the interstitials on Omni uh, and I had a counterpart, Lucy Zilio, and she was like, everyone knew Lucy Zilio. Yeah. She'd been on the air for so long and she was a favorite. Like, people just like remember her so well. So we did the same thing because there were two channels. And I remember being told that because, you know, um, times were tough. It was the recession. They'd bought, they'd spent so much money buying, you know, all these properties that there was probably not going to be uh, a job for both of us into in within a year or so, and um, but then I was offered the opportunity to look at jobs within City TV. So they bought City TV, and that meant moving out west. So it was um, a job. There was a job available in Edmonton that I could look at, and there was a job available in Winnipeg. And um, yeah. yes, so and I was like, I was in Toronto. I just bought a condo. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm settling, you know, this is my home. The and I had it painted. Wow. Wallpaper. Of- oh, it's a different one. That was a later one. Yeah. So this one was like, I bought a condo and I was happy with it. And I was like making it homey. And here I was hearing that, you know, you're probably not going to have a job for long oh, wow. unless you, unless you take one of these well, other West. jobs. Right. So I took a job in Winnipeg and it was to host and produce breakfast television in Winnipeg. Okay. So it was actually a great opportunity for me because I did not have live TV experience. Everything we did was taped and um, uh, there was no one in Toronto who was going to necessarily give me that opportunity because Toronto is the biggest market in Canada. This is not really where people take a lot of risks, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So you go and you get your experience in a small market and and you come back maybe and and do that. So I went out to Winnipeg and it was a two-year contract um, and as soon as the two years were up, I was, I'm like, so is there anything back in Toronto for me? And they're like, no, but you know, like we hope you'll stick with the company and maybe you could stay there for a little while longer um, if something comes up. But there was just nothing there. Yeah. So I could have stayed here. I rented it out because uh, okay. I would have, I would have lost so much oh, to, yeah. to sell it. So I rented it out. So at least it like, it just, it took care of itself. Yes. Yeah. And that's all I needed it to do. Um, and uh, Winnipeg was a really, you know, it was a good experience. It was a challenging, it was a tough experience. Cold. It's hard. To, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, they say it's a dry cold. And once yeah. you're there, you actually understand what that means. Yeah. Like, is a dry cold. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Does it, is it ever a wet cold at no, minus 15? Like minus, minus, no, but like, it, like coming no, from Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia is wet cold. It's yeah, like a damp, but it's not yes, a wet yeah. minus damp. 20. No. There's no such thing. <laughs> no, it's just damp, right? Like the yeah. snow was heavy in Nova uh-huh. Scotia. But out in Winnipeg, you're like, this, this stuff like, is light as air, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I'm like, this is the difference. Now I understand when people say, but it's a dry cold. I'm like, yes, I get it now. Um, <laughs> really but it was, it was, uh, it was hard. It was, being there was hard. It was oh, very, yeah. very hard for me. Um, but I met, I did meet some great people. And it was in the end because we were putting on a, three-hour morning show every single day with almost no crew, no money, 
um, and expected to turn it around. It And wow. in a way, because we were a smaller market, we weren't um, like head office. Toronto was yeah. not breathing down our necks. Like yeah. they were watching, but they were really yeah. focused on fixing they the big, big yeah. markets first. It wasn't a big enough problem for them. Yeah, as long no, as it wasn't they a big problem. They kept their eye on it and they kept, and you know, and like we lost people and there wasn't a lot of money for anything. Um, but in a way, it meant that we just kind of had this, it, like some freedom to be very, very creative where we could. Yeah. Um, and it's also really hard to move to a new place um, in your 30s mm-hmm. and have to make new friends, like yeah. to completely transplant yourself um, somewhere where, to be honest, they don't like you because you're from, from Toronto. Toronto. Right. Right. So I was already very uh, well disliked <laughs> before I arrived. Right. Um, and this time you so, were of drinking age. Though. Yes, I was of drinking <laughs> age. But I had to get up at three in the morning. So I was in so bed at eight. You weren't going anywhere. <laughs> I was in bed at eight. Um, so it was, they were very pivotal, pivotal um, years in my life. There were two years and in many ways it felt like, it felt fast and it felt really long at the same time. Um, but when that contract ended, that's when I was really, I was, I was done. Like I, I've been someone who needed stability because I was like, I've got a mortgage still. Like if my tenants left, like, I still need to pay for that. Mm. Like I need a place to live. I've got bills, all of this. Um, and when they were basically like, we would like you to stay there, and we'll give you another, we'll give you another three year contract. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want three yeah. years. Um, and this was the first time in my life that someone had said what will it cost? Oh, so what will it cost for you to stay? And I was like, oh, that's never happened to me. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying they had like tons of money. No. Like I was making under uh, six figures. Um, but I it happens more often if you're willing to go to places like <laughs> yeah. or so it wasn't Murray, like, you'd be surprised how often it happens yeah. in those places. And those were not high <laughs> salary places. Right. right? So, uh, you know, and and those were the, those are the years when people would be like, well, we gave you a um, was it cost of inflation raise, which would right. be like a two percent or right. something. Yeah. So um, I kind of threw out a random number, uh, which was like not huge, but compared to what I was making, was like a big jump. Like I I went up by tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. basically. Um, so I think I like quoted something that was like sixty thousand dollars and uh, like more and. Um, And it was like, well, that's, you know, so we did the whole like I quoted up here and I'm down here and we're trying to like find this little like middle ground, whatever. And uh, it went back and forth a few times. And then I just got frustrated. Like I realized like as much as I loved working in TV, um, just working in TV wasn't what made me happy. Like it wasn't like being on TV is not. I can take it or leave it like Mm -hmm. I I want to do something. I want to do content that I enjoy however that content is shared Mm -hmm. so if it was writing then that would make me happy um you know and maybe i lost some of the luster of like being on being on tv for the sake of being on tv it was just that wasn't wasn't doing it for me (laughs) no it was really wasn't doing it for me and i think realize and having that not an ultimatum but i had a very i had a deadline to to make a decision, right? Well, so right? You had a heck of a fork in the road. Yes. Definitely. Definite so fork. it's not like when you're at a job and like, maybe I want to do this or maybe I don't. You can just kind of like buy some time. I didn't have time to buy. I needed to, I needed to figure that out. So uh, 
as we went back and forth a few times on on numbers, I didn't think they would jump because um, they came back very, you know, a bit low. It's what they're supposed to do. And as we got closer and closer to this like magical number that I had um, asked, a friend of mine who worked within the company said, um, you better be careful that you're not that you're not bluffing, because if they give you what you want, you have to take it. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, because I never thought they would, right? right. And we were at a point where it was getting close, right? Like um, they could have come. You're back like, with your, yeah, I was like, I didn't think this was you're going. Like, oh, she's now we actually have to do it. <laughs> they would have. They want. Yeah, it was going to because they didn't want to do this again, right? So right. you, they're like, we're not going to do this no, year long. No, contract. that's the worst. If you like, you like try and set the rate high enough so that they won't. Fuck you because you don't want to do it. Yeah. Like, you're like, fuck. Ah, you're like, oh, and I've done that do now. sponsored content now, which is kind of different. It's a yeah. one off where you're like, I don't really want to post about that. Oh, yeah, I want to, oh, you sure, know, $5,000. And then it's like, well, yeah, we have close to that. You're like, oh my, oh my gosh. Oh, like, <laughs> what do I do now? Um, <laughs> but anyway, so that whole experience, plus I was, I was homesick. So I think ultimately, if it had been that job, those circumstances, but in Toronto, I would have, I would have, written it out even if i was like oh i don't really feel challenged or i don't feel there's a lot of room to grow i would have kept it if i was in toronto because mm. it, it would have been a job yeah. right i i was not um delusional i wasn't like oh all these people are going to pick me up no i needed a job <laughs> um but i was in a city that i didn't have any attachment to mm-hmm. my family was far away my friends you know were far away so it was actually much easier because of that because it was literally i was there just for a job and for a job that no longer fulfilled me. So it was quite easy to walk away. Um, and it sounded ridiculous to people when I said, oh, I'm leaving. Like, oh, where are you going to? And I try to be careful now when, I, um, when people say that they're leaving something or they're making a change, not to make the assumption that there is a bigger and better because it can be hard on that person to have to say there is no bigger and better. Yeah. I'm just leaving. Right. So because we we assume that, right? Like, oh, you've left your job or like, you did next? this or yes. And I try to catch myself because it is an automatic reaction. Um, or when someone says I'm taking time off, it's like, ooh, but you know what? You don't know why they're taking time off. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of reasons for taking time off that are know. not to be celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a table. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, it was really hard to say to people like I chose to be unemployed, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a bit of a it's a bit of humble pie, yeah. right? Like, and it's like, what you you don't have a job lined up? I'm like, nope, I don't. No. I have no job lined up. This is 2011, no. 2010. This is 2011. Yeah. So, um, but I've been saving. Like I saved money. I mean, you know, I made like an okay salary for a single person living in a smaller city. Um, that I kind of, and also because I went to bed at eight, I never spent money. But like, <laughs> what did you do? Like, y- y- you're still renting out the place in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. So there are are they month to month at that point? Are you able to um, move back in there? They or? are. Well, here was the thing. I knew I couldn't move back into that place because it cost me too much. Right. I it was could too not. You're better off letting them cover that yes, place. So yeah, they're they're gonna hold it. Yeah. it a two bedroom place. Um, but for me to come back, I was gonna have to be like a penny pincher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so risky. as long as it it was for me at that time, yeah. much too risky. So it was better for like to have that just like 
taken care of and then have me figure out like, what the hell am I going to do now? Um, So I actually took a few months off and I traveled a bit. I went to Australia. So oh, I finally went, going. but I never went to go to school. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, I had a friend. Did you go there. to Wollongong? <laughs> did no, <laughs> no go. Don't go. But I had a friend well. who lived, uh, who moved right. there for work. And she always said to me, she used to travel a lot for work. So she lived in Italy for a year. She was like all over the world. And she always said, wherever I am, you have a place to stay. And it was a beautiful it's invitation. Very it's very like sweet. It's very sweet, isn't it? Ticket, right yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even when I was in Winnipeg, as much as like, uh, I worked with some wonderful people and I made some beautiful friends and they, they're the ones who carried me through those two years, but they were challenging. The schedule was also challenging. Um, yeah. And there were times when I was like, I can't, I don't think this is what I wanted. I don't know. I, I don't think this is it. And she would always say, if you need to leave, you can stay with me. She always gave me like, it's, and we don't always have that landing pad. And I mean, like no, Nelson, no. like you said, if my parents were here, I could go home, yeah, right? Absolutely. I know where to go. I know where to go. Mm-hmm. And she, so that was, that was always her invitation, right? Wherever I am, you have a place. Uh, not forever. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> stay too long. Like, you know, whatever to like gather yourself and, and what have you. Um, so I went and visited my parents for a little bit and I went to Australia and then I moved back to Toronto and I started freelancing and it was probably the worst year of my life, in, like employment wise, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't know what, like I'd been steadily employed for 10 years by a network. I had benefits. I'd, yeah. I got a check every two weeks. Um, it, you know, it was enough that I covered my bills and could save a little bit. Right. Like, and suddenly I'm like, I'm back, bitches. Right. And, and you're, in a, you're in an eat what you kill yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm like back in Toronto. Killed it, tossing <laughs> you some of it. Yeah. 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 And like people didn't know I was available, right? Because everyone yeah. know me to be employed by yeah. a station for so long. So it's like, well, what are you doing now? I don't know. I don't know. Hire me. Somebody. Somebody. Anything. For a thing, you know, whatever. And that was the year that I, um, I, I learned a lot that year. That was a very, very stressful year. I made, so this is 2012. I made less in one year than I did in my first year at Treehouse, oh, where I was paying right. $30,000. Right. Oh. And I say that because, um, and I'm not embarrassed. It's like I am, but I'm not really to say that because starting to freelance after working it for like 15 years in the industry, um, you know, where I had been steadily employed most of the time by by a network and then suddenly going on my own was not easy. And so it's it's hard to like I was starting new. Yes. It's a different beast. Yeah. And I was getting like and things had also changed so much. It people were like freelancing was suddenly more of a thing. It yes. wasn't a thing when I started, you know, working. People did like year long contracts or like yeah. six months right. like for a show. And then suddenly this was an industry where like it was really like all over the place. Yeah, like, a lot more gigs. Yes. And also the rates for writing, because I used to write um, and the rates had gone down by 80% wow. for writing. Oh like it was, I'm like, what do you mean it's not a dollar a word? <laughs> like, it's, I, I'm sorry, but your girl gets a dollar a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it's $50 for that whole Vulcan. story? Yeah. Right? But that's also when I started working, um, 
you know, when I say the internet wasn't a thing, internet, like digital content wasn't a thing. No. And then when I came back in 2012 and people were reading a lot of, um, you know, like blog sites or yes. news sites that were lived yeah. like digitally, um, they were not necessarily, you know, big money makers for anyone. No. So there were many cases like 50 bucks, 100 bucks, even print. I was still doing some print stuff. And the rates of that were less than what I had been making 15 years earlier. Right. So that was like, what a wake up call that was. Yeah, you're like, okay. <laughs> like, I thought rates would go up. <laughs> yeah. So when does food start creeping into all Oh this? my God. Jeez. Your love of food. <laughs> around, around now, I guess. Um, You know what? It was around the time when I was still in Winnipeg. Um, you know that free paper that used to get called Metro, the yeah, one that yeah, used to yeah, yeah. paper? Oh, yeah. So they were launching in Winnipeg, and they always had a food columnist in each city. And through someone I knew who was like, um, you know, oh, do you want to like meet with like the editor or whatever? So I was, I did their food column in, okay. in Winnipeg. And that was just a side thing. Honestly, it paid me 75 bucks. It yeah. was like not a lot of work. I just highlighted different local restaurants yeah. each week. I enjoyed doing it. It was something that I like actually did genuinely like meeting these business owners. Yeah. Um, and I watched a lot of Food Network. Mm-hmm. Like even when I was at Omni, the like TV Admiral in my Era. office. Yeah. Like Anna Olsen, yeah. Um, yeah. Giada, yes. um, yeah. even when like, um, oh, who did I, who did I just blank on for a second? Um, uh, Iron Chef, the classic Iron Chef was there. This was like, like even like, like David Rocco downstairs. He had a show. For yes. Him. Yeah. And this was like pre-cooking competition. It yes. was just cooking right. shows. This is pre-cooking competition. This is just like straight up like dump and stir. Which, you know, they just like, they're actually making. And when yes. I was at Omni Dump for seven years, Dumpinster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was at Omni for seven years, I had a TV in my office, and the, and typically you watch the station you work at. But I was always it was always on Food Network. I watched Food Network all day for years, mm-hmm. and then at home I would watch Food Network, and I'd get home from work at um you know from BT, and I'd be like I was just tired of the zombie because of the hours, and I would just watch Food Network. I just love like. You know, I so love it. Really. It is relaxing. I didn't necessarily make it like the things they were, you know, cooking. Um, but I'd always had a love for food. And then I realized that a lot of my knowledge came from just my brother and I being a kid and like running around the farmer's market because my parents were vendors there. Right. So we just had a little bit of this background that you don't like you don't pinpoint it necessarily. Mm-hmm. But you, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I know that or um, this reminds me of whatever. And uh, when I moved back, it just, um, I think like little things come about that were related to food. And I think when you really do care about something and you're passionate about something, um, it becomes the thing that you are known for, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, because if you said to me, um, if I said to you like, oh no, I'm into cars. And like, you're not into cars. Like that's, you've never talked about cars. Yeah, you've never talked about cars. You never posted about cars. Yeah. Nothing about you has shown any interest in cars. In yeah. cars. And that's like, like when Nelson asked me about food. I was like, no, I love food and cooking, but it's the thing that I don't post because it's my like break from internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my yeah. break. Um, one thing I do love that I got a recipe I got from you is your granola recipe oh, during pandemic times. Yes. We were living at the cottage and I yeah. made your granola. It's, it's one of my favorites. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad I make it all the time too. Cause it's, it's so, so easy. delicious and it's so easy. Yeah. It's on the kits, uh, the kits yes. website. Yeah. Um, got that bookmarked. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is so easy. I'm I'll glad you make it. Over. People, yeah, I'll get like sometimes some random comments about people making it. And it makes me happy because I'm like, just things should just be easy and simple. And I'm more than, you know, I, I love getting that sort of feedback. But I mean, I, I guess like Nelson, when it comes to food, it was just it had slowly become more of a passion of mine, probably at a time when I didn't really know um like I liked a lot of things because I was doing lifestyle TV. So you do kind of naturally like things. I liked a little bit of DIY. I liked a little bit of fashion. I liked a little bit of skincare. I liked right. a little bit of like fitness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> all the things. I like all the things. Um, but which one was <laughs> I spending all of my time yeah. wanting to know more about? And I would get up early on weekends. I got up early anyway, but um, and I go to the farmer's market like every week and I would just buy so much more shit than I would ever mm-hmm. cook. And that to me was like what I enjoyed, what I found relaxing. Um, and so just by evolution, it became more. I think I was willing to share more of that interest. Mm-hmm. I think it, I just yes. was able to to do that versus, you know, having a little bit of an interest and not really sharing it. And then um, things just kind of like came my way because of that and I think also having done the food column was a good little start yeah um it made people aware that I you know did some some food stuff no one knew my background in in terms of my family and food like that was just never a thing like it Mm -hmm. that never came about like there was no reason for it too in those early years of me doing like food and food media I never I never made the connection of the two it wasn't until um, you know, people started asking a little bit more and then even like the media in Halifax would ask about my parents that would, that I thought like, my God, I've actually grown up in yeah. a very natural kind of hippie food environment my entire life, but sort of just dismissed it because it was also just not that like, was just that was nothing way. glamorous about what yeah. my parents did. They didn't want us to be in the business anyway. Right. But that was just like, that was also the childhood that we new and right. so suddenly i'm like you know what my my brother and i we grew up at the farmer's market like we yeah. grew up eating like what was local and what was seasonal you know yeah. before it, you know people were making um big deals mm-hmm. about that in in stories or on on, mm-hmm. on shows it was just like kind of what we did um and yeah so that connection i i really didn't make for for a very long time so it, so now like 2011 2012 you're now freelance and poor. And poor. <laughs> like, and I, was, I was so poor in 2012. So walk me through some of the initial paid food-related <laughs> stuff. Oh, some of it was shit. I was paid so <laughs> little for some like, stuff. Want, like writing? Writing, yeah. Because like I was like, okay, what is the skill that I have that I can get work, you know, from? And I've been writing. I mean, I was, I'd written TV shows. Um and I actually wrote some animation for a preschool show, which I love doing because I've always it is not hard for someone to draw me back to preschool audience. Like I would write for preschool um, any day. Like it is for me um, a fascinating uh, age. And you will soon learn that Nelson. <laughs> like when they're like two and three. It's magical. I bet. Um, and so I've always so my background in kids TV, my background in children's writing and educational TV was always a thing that I had, right? Like, uh, so I, I had that skill, but then it was also like, I needed to meet people who were hiring writers. I didn't know anyone who was hired. Like, right. I don't know. I had been employed as a, as a on-air host and producer for so many years. I didn't need to network writing, you yeah. know? 
Um, so it was through my old boss at Treehouse that she was suddenly like in a high position at Nelvana. And, and, um, I said, I, Jamie, I like, I don't know if you know any writing gigs. Like I'm really rusty. It's been a decade, but like, I'm super rusty and I'm a bit high risk. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, cause I haven't done it in so long. I'll just lay And <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, but I, I, I hope for most people that you will always have one or two people in your life that, um, think you're the fucking shit mm-hmm. no matter if they haven't worked with you in a decade or right. more like we all need someone in our lives who really um has l- unlimited confidence in you mm-hmm. and also in that vein you should be that for someone else mm-hmm. you yeah. should be for someone else who's maybe younger or that you're mentoring that person who always reminds them you you fucking got this. And yeah. I will put my name on the line for you with someone else. I'm going to refer you for shit. I'm going to get you to where you want to be. I think we all should yeah, be I that person that. too. And um, so my first b- boss, Jamie at Treehouse TV, she was like a young producer, a young mom. And through the years, because now we're going back to 97 when I was an intern, <laughs> we are still in touch. Not a lot anymore. Um, but, um, when I think about it, she's gotten me so many of my jobs through the years because she was a reference. Um, even when I applied for the on-air, my first on-air job at Omni, which is for, you know, a big Toronto TV station where I didn't have, I didn't have the experience. They called her as a reference. And I know she got me the job because the HR woman, when we spoke on the phone, she said, so I spoke to Jamie, like your old boss. And she told me I would be a fool if I didn't hire you. And I'm like, ha, 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 she's just joking. <laughs> That's just her way of talking. Um, and uh, so when I moved back and I hadn't been writing in over, uh, over a decade, I had not written a kid's yeah. show in a decade. And she's like, I've got a production and I'm going to um, contact the head writer. And uh, I'm going to talk to him. I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is like, this is a big favor. This is her reputation, right? So I met with him and he's like, you haven't written animation before. I'm like, no, I'm clearly not supposed to be here because you <laughs> want an animation writer. Like you, there's a lot, you know, this, that's what you want. You want someone to write animation who's written animation. Like you're not here to give somebody her experience. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, no. And he's like, so, but you've written for Jamie. I'm like, yeah, it's a long time ago, but yes, I have. And, um, I said, well, you know, uh, we'll get you to write a script. Uh, she told me I'd be an idiot if I didn't hire you. I'm like, oh, that's just Jamie. <laughs> and I was, and I did. I wrote for the show, and oh, uh, and it was honestly, I owe her. Like, I, she had the confidence in me that I never had in myself, but she also had the balls to tell people when she was in a position to do so, you 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 give this girl a shot yeah, and you won't be sorry. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she did that for me. And then because Very of that, sweet. you don't, I didn't want to let her down. Right. I was terrified. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause I'm oh, like, cause she's a big person. She's, yeah. Like she's in charge of that show and this and whatever. And like, don't uh, dare I not fuck up mm-hmm. this yeah. because she did this for me. Right. So, um, that I don't even know what the original question was that you asked me, but, but it, was, it was, back, was back to getting into food. Yeah, you know? it's, uh, it, now you're you're a freelancer. Yeah, and so this job that you just mentioned, this is like a bit of a longer term, longer lead 
contract. The, the animation? Job. What? Yes. Oh, no, that, that was just per script. So per you script. get paid per script. Okay. Yeah, you deliver your script and then, you know, then you invoice. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. How many scripts did you end up doing? You know what? They were going to get me to do a bunch of scripts. I ended up writing two because there is a tax credit situation where <laughs> I had lived in Winnipeg and not in Ontario. So they didn't qualify for that. Oh, they're like, just kidding. They hired me. Oh. So the original plan, I was gutted, but it was like no one's fault. Um, I was originally supposed to write several scripts that season, uh, but then because they could not get that tax credit for hiring me, because <laughs> you had to be not, I don't know, like if you ever had this, but you had yeah, to be an yes. Ontario resident the yeah. calendar year before, yeah. and I was not. So um, I did two. And then again, you know what? Like, oh God, six years later, she hired me for another show. I mean, yeah, she's like, was. I need you. I got a show. I'm like, okay, okay. You know, all right, well, let's do it. <laughs> So fast forward to 2022. Yeah. And you're bringing out your own line of sauces. Well, we've got one. Okay. So, um, yeah. So uh, there's a local company called Zing. Their website is cookwithzing.com. They were honestly, like, I think a, a, a pandemic um, project. Like, it's three young friends that I've never met, but I, I tried their product called Haka-ish. It's a, a chili oil condiment and uh, they also had like a curry garlic um, spiced spread called mogambo and i was like okay went online and you know during the pandemic we were all stuck cooking for ourselves and i was just like buying things online because what else was there to do uh and i became like such a fan of i was like i love this stuff so you know you just post it on instagram because you like it you tell people about it you buy it for other people um and because i was still working in, in tv now mostly as a food and lifestyle person um, I'm able to bring things I like to a larger audience, right? So um, I wrote a story about them for the Toronto Star. Like I pitched an editor. I was like, hey, look, I just, I love this. I fucking love this chili oil. Like, I'm just, and you know what? As far as I know, they're just, they're, they're three young, young kids and they seem really nice. Um, but like maybe we do a story on them. Like, okay, great. And, uh, and that got them like, every, they've been written about by other people like Toronto Life and CBC and all of that. So they were getting buzz yeah. locally, which was great. Um, you know, on BT and stuff, I was able to put them on. And we just like, you just strike up a bit of an online like friendship because I was always buying it. Like I was buying it. I was posting about it. I was sending it to people and it came about very naturally. They do some chef collaborations, uh, for different products and just, like a year, not even a year ago, I don't think. Um, we were just kind of on DM, myself and Janine. And I think we we're actually talking about ice cream. And it's just like, well, if you ever wanted to, you know, work work on your own um, condiment, I'm like, y- y- yes. Yes, right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so we did. So it um, was in the test kitchen phase very recently. And now it's uh, available for pre-order online. So just also to give them an idea of like how much to make and then, you know, send it out. So it's a Toronto company. Um, there are three lovely people. I'll also just mention they're, they're BIPOC owned. Oh. Um, and they've got back, they have really interesting backgrounds in like startups and tech. And I'm just cool. like fascinated because I'm like, I don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> They're but so organized. Cool. They know, like, but they look at data that? and Great. analytics, and they're just like, they're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, guys, like, let me just give you my flavor notes. 
Um, Did you know exactly what you wanted to do, condiment no. wise, right at the so so? No, because there's so much out there so that I love, like, but also like there's so much out there that I love. Like I love, like I have a thousand mustards and chili sauces and oils yeah. and and spreads in my fridge, and it wasn't like I was going, mm, we're really missing a whatever, because I'm like, oh, there's just so much great stuff. Uh, it, when we worked out, like what kind, they were very good in, in terms of like getting me to focus. So it was like, well, you know. What kind of are <laughs> you want? Yeah. Uh, what is important to you? What flavors do you like? Uh, what reminds you of childhood? Like all of these like oh, thought nice. starters to wow. come up with something that is actually just more meaningful. Right. Yeah. So because otherwise like I could be yeah. like I, otherwise, I, you know, I could be like, I got a new yeah. ketchup. I got a new jam. Like there could right. be so many things. and All yeah. those could be really great. But then it was like, OK, well, what is it that I want a pantry shortcut to do yeah. and that's what they call all of their their products it's a pantry, pantry shortcut. shortcut it's something that can just add a boost of flavor that can like change up your veggies your protein your carbs with very little effort like there shouldn't you know you can just spoon most of the um their products onto eggs onto your steak onto your veggies in the stir fry and it just adds flavor it's not it's not you chopping a million things and mixing ingredients yeah. and, nice. and whatever so um we came up one called um sacha ish uh, and it's a, it's also in line with their Hakka-ish because what they're very careful about doing is we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not saying that this is a product true to this culture, this country, this right. whatever. It is, um, that's where the ish part comes yeah. in, right? So it is a, uh, it, it's inspired by, a, you know, flavors that I grew up with, but also like modernized with other uh, Southeast Asian flavors and, you know, putting a little twist on it. So it's inspired by a traditional um, Taiwanese barbecue sauce, which is called Bull's Head Barbecue, which when you go and have hot pot or anything like that, yeah. it's definitely there. So it was okay. definitely our like hot pot dipping okay. sauce. So I say inspired by, and you take that very loosely because that one has um, some seafood in it, whereas the one we created is vegan. Oh, nice. And the one we created also has like miso in it. And that's not traditional of, you know, the, yeah. the Taiwanese barbecue sauce. But in terms of texture, uh, a bit of flavor and how you might use it, it, that's what it's inspired by. So, you know, my parents, my brother and I sitting around having um, hot pot and that that tin of what I didn't know what it was, it was like bull's head barbecue sauce. Yeah. And that was always there, but it's also, it's great for your marinades, your stir fries and what have you. So we do have, we do have a bottle here. And I'm going to try it. Okay. And because it has something that could kill Nelson in it, we will not get it to him. Nelson's not going to try it. Yeah. Cause it has sesame. But so I, I didn't am. even crack the uh, jar. It's kind of spicy. It's a little bit. Yeah. Do you, are you okay I with heat? Spice. Okay. I Cause spice. some people don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little kick. So like you okay. wouldn't typically eat it on its own, for example, but I do want but you to try it. Some on it. But do you have, oh, you know what? Let get, Yeah, a knife or something I can stir it up. Okay, with. here. You can put it on. To okay. Okay. And I'll just because it just it separates a little bit. So you always want to stir it up before you try it. And I just, I mean, I'm really proud of the product because they've done an amazing job with the variations as we've gone through testing it. And um, I just think that it makes a great addition to your holiday entertaining. Also, as a great gift because for a couple for a couple of reasons, even if you don't buy this product, their other ones are like they're Toronto made. They're local. Yeah. It's a local company that you're you're supporting. Um, 
And uh, I just love giving unique food gifts. That's my like my favorite yeah. things to give somebody a jar, even if it's like a jar of honey that's local, like those sorts of things. I those are the my favorite kind of food guest gifts. I love someone comes to the cottage. Or yes, and it's a talkable house. item. It's like you know what? This is a company that just started, you know, or or a history of the ingredients, whatever. Like, I'm just gonna tell you that this is like this is, is that a lot. It's a little bit of heat, okay. but you told me that you can handle yeah heat. All of a sudden, I'm gonna get called out now. Hey. <laughs> Like, like it's not, I would say that you don't use it as a spread the way that I have okay. typically, but I've just, I've done that for you. Just to get like a little flavor of it, but like, it's got um, a lot of umami. <laughs> mm-hmm. Umami. And a little bit of heat. And it has. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but I that. I myself cooking with this. Yeah, I put it like, I mean. In just trying to eat more veggies, I just stir fry. Like, I'll just like stir fry a tablespoon of this with some veggies. Yeah. I love it on tofu. Um, I added a bit. Oh, I was making turkey burgers. So I had a mm. pound of turkey and I just added like a spoonful of that into it, mix it up and grilled it. So it really is meant to just make life easier. And it's just, it, that's like a, that's why we call it a pantry shortcut or like a flavor booster because you don't have to add a million other things to it. People, we've had um, some chefs test it out as well to give us feedback. I had a little bit of chicken. Imagine <laughs> it was a sandwich. <laughs> it's a mini sandwich. And, and exactly like as a spread, it's mm. great. A lot of the feedback we got from chefs was that they just loved it on steak. They loved it mm. on um, but veggies and stir fries. And it was so that was part of the reason we wanted to make it vegan is so that it adds flavor to whatever you want to cook. Eggs. It's beautiful with eggs, with eggs, for example. Yeah. So all of the like really simple oh, yeah. foods that you might have at home and you're like, I just need to make this taste good. <laughs> it, yeah. it looks exactly what, you know, it looks ex- that it will do exactly that. Yeah. It's so delicious. Without a lot of effort. Like that's that's the key. And um, yeah, so really excited. So it's online for pre-order and I just and we really wanted to get it out before the holiday so that people could have it for themselves for easy entertaining purposes and uh, uh, as a gift as well. So even like a teaspoon of that mixed into some hummus or labne, for example, oh, just to get yum. right and then have it as a dip. So there's like endless ways to use it. And yeah, I'm really um, I'm really proud of it. And We're really excited for you. Good. Thanks. Oh, my God. It's so good. I will definitely be pre-ordering. <laughs> also, as I'm chewing, because I took a little bit more before I gave the jar back. Um, but we will also include the link in the show notes so anyone who's listening can pre-order this or another um, one of their products. Definitely, as you mentioned, great for um, gifts, for friends, to have at your house, holiday dining, perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> you rhyming. <got> <laughs> You're rhyming. <laughs> like we're making, we're making puns with the name. We're like, it's such a great gift. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Highly, I definitely give my two thumbs up on it. Thank Good. you. Awesome yeah. case. And Nelson would too. I would too. Could try it. If I could try it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I would because I like um, hot chili stuff like that. Oh, yeah, we good, haven't good. done a taste test on the, this is our first time Yeah, this doing a taste time. test. We tried, we thought of doing a bit of a, like a teppanyaki grill type episode <laughs> with one of the chefs. That'd be amazing. <laughs> It'd be great, but we were once um, here after the show eating and we just heard like into the mics it's not as good. we listened to it back. I was like, maybe it's not the best it's not idea. ideal, is it? <laughs> no, no, maybe on a TV show where it's like yeah. a little more. And maybe but... like where you're not close to smoke detectors and yeah. stuff, yeah. you know? So you've done a lot of traveling and eating. 
Yeah. I some have. of your top three craveable dishes in different places around oh. the world. Oh, boy. You're like, I'd love to be there right now to you get know, this. I was just in Parma, Italy, and um, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Italian food. Oh, it's a <laughs> I mean, really, who? who yeah, who yeah. doesn't you, like Italian food? Yes. Uh, so I'll, I'll think to something that was really recent. Um, yeah, I was in a dairy where they make um, Parmigiano Reggiano. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And that was such a cool experience. And on, and to be able to try the different age varieties there oh, at the cool. dairy was pretty phenomenal. And then we also, um, when we went out to eat at restaurants, we would eat at restaurants where they would feature um, the parm like in different ways. And um, like we had, um, what's it called? Yoko Frito, which is fried bread. And it's just this, like, I ju- it's my a fairly recent Instagram post of mine. Um, and it just says fried dough pillow, airy. And you can just like, it's warm, hot of the fryer. And light as air, flaky, and just a little bit of prosciutto, a little bit of Parmigiano Reggiano or other cheese that you like. Uh, and it just, it creates this like little perfect pocket. It oh, sounds like this. you could put anything on it. Yes, basically. And it's just I like want to crawl delicious. inside this yeah, little pocket. Inside. It yeah. sounds so good. Absolutely delicious. And uh, I mean, I'm drawing a bit of a blank. I haven't done too much international travel uh, because of the pandemic. So that right. would probably be like a f- the main one. Um, but um, I also love, I'm just trying to think of some of the stuff I had. Uh, like, you know, I'll get back to Taiwan at some point. It's been many, many years, but like the street food there, oh, like, it's fantastic. yeah. And even I just something watched, like, I watch Taiwanese street food on YouTube yeah. and stuff, <laughs> and I could never do it because I'm allergic to like sesame oh, and there's so many food. Yes. Okay. So like, I know you I'd can't. never be able to do it, but I love watching street food videos yeah. of different cities. Fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Love it. And what they can do with a cart is amazing. Yeah. Right? Like, how fresh it is. Like it's it's all fresh. Like you're like, this is a cart or just like a propane burger. Yeah, like and they're bur- just creating exactly. the yeah, most like, amazing food out dishes. of there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like that's definitely like, a, a, you know, an amazing, it's such a cool experience. Um, and then I just think of like, okay, so I was in Mexico earlier this year. That was like my first trip after like COVID. And we just go and we eat at these like little local spots that we go off the main strip yeah and um just having like freshly grilled like just having like the grilled fish um a beautiful like ceviche like food that is truly simple like it's not fussy it's not foams and 80 different ingredients as much as that can be fun and delicious to eat yeah um that's usually not you know everyday food for for people but like the fact that you like a beautifully grilled fish with a little bit of like the smoke from the grill and um you know squeeze a fresh fresh lime and a bit of sea salt like you know simple the best right same with ceviche fresh seafood a little bit of lime you know some onion what have you um and it can just be like so transformative like why don't i eat this every day (laughs) yeah totally hey thank you so much for joining us Oh, you're welcome. It was really yeah. fun to chat with both Thank of you. Thank you. Awesome. So many good <laughs> stories. Awesome stories. And I'm so excited to see the success of this sauce. I think it's going to be fantastic. And, um, um, you know, I'm excited to see what is in store for you in the future. Thanks. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Pei Chen. Check out her work and recipes at peichen.com. 
We dropped a link in the show notes to pre-order her new pantry shortcut. It is spicy and delicious. Find more episodes of our podcast at castofcreators.com. Subscribe on YouTube or listen to your favorite podcast platform.